0: Welcome to this episode of Finding My Yum. <laughs>
1: we have a new uh, ho- co-host.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's Jay. Jerry with the J. <laughs> Jerry with the <a> J. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, welcome. Uh, welcome. That was a fun, fun thing you did there.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, it's like almost genuine what you just. <laughs> I think
1: people like that, though. I get a lot of comments (laughs) on my banter. Do you? I do. I do. Uh, They say we have good chemistry. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that. Yeah, Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, today I'm super excited because we have a guest today from the MTV show, Are You the One? Season 8. Season 8. His name is Danny Pekaski, and he is freaking lovely. Um, So true. Yeah, uh
1: I was I I wanted to say I didn't have a chance to say it in the episode but I was blown away with his emotional intelligence. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, just intelligence in general. For sure, I think for this sure. is like one of the most like uh like he you know he it's references really a lot of like yeah, literature and is yeah. very thoughtful sure. and like has historical context and stuff. So um it was just a delight to talk to him and I will say that I hadn't seen the show before we um, spoke with him because the focus of the episode was not the show because I didn't want to give any spoilers also we would get super fucked by MTV um, and so would he so we didn't and
1: that's not the focus of the show the yeah. show is not focused on like kind of these big event type things but as much as like your personal journey and
0: yeah so and like how he's affected now and like how mm-hmm. that impacted sort of what he wants now and how he wants to be Seen and and like his identity and stuff like that sexual and gender expression etc and so um that was almost interesting like not knowing a lot about the show just just a superficial thing but now I have seen a little bit about it um I've seen a couple episodes and holy shit everybody go turn on this fucking show right now because it is it is huge I mean First of all, the fact that it's on MTV, I used to watch dating shows on MTV when I was a kid. Like, you know, the. we talked
1: about my VH1 experience. Yeah,
0: exactly. At
1: the time, it was like teaching kids. This is how you date. You like neg women.
0: Yes, it's formidable. Like it's in those formidable years where you have like this input and to see a sexually fluid TV show of people dating who are of all like across the gender spectrum is and honestly, like when we were talking, like I, I did think it was—it's called se- sexually fluid—but I didn't realize like it's not just male, female. It is like across all mm-hmm. genders. It is a, it is a queer show, a non-binary show, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's really beautiful seeing people of all different types openly expressing how they feel, intelligently um, understanding the baggage that they bring in and their relationship troubles and how they want to attack them in this environment, like. I I'm I was just flo- I'm floored. I'm floored that even like this is available but that MTV is also pioneering
1: it. Yeah, it's pretty great. And I mean Danny I think is was a great person to have on there as yeah. well because he is so you're going to hear more in the interview, of course, but he's like very grounded with his beliefs and everything yes. and also is very open to different things. And he talks through like what it was like to grow up in this area and then go to a college that is in another area that's less progressive. But the school is still progressive. And yeah. it just really he's got a really great story and obviously attacks in such an, a, a genuine way um, that I think resonates both within this and within the show. So yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. So um, please enjoy this interview and then seriously go watch the show.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's great. <laughs>
0: i'm feeling yummy head to toe you see me ain't got no patience so let's go ah, welcome to finding my yum i'm so excited today we have danny Prakaski uh, from the ntv dating show are you the one thanks for being here hello
2: thanks for having me
0: yeah um You know my roommate. I was going to ask you. I actually don't know. How do you and Olga know each other?
2: I met Olga through improv.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
2: I was on an improv team with someone whose boyfriend was on an improv team with Olga.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I feel like that's how the community works. Like, it's so small. Just everybody knows. It
2: was was actually a little bit more funny than that because we met on this like wild weekend going up to big bear for saint patrick's day oh Did you were
0: part of her like uh improv 401 crew oh big yeah yeah, bear yeah. right right, okay. right right right
2: well it was actually we had two separate groups going up there like my friend's boyfriend was a part of the 401 group and they okay. hung out in the crazy party house and then i hung out in like the chill play board games and read books house <laughs>
0: All right, and then you guys intersected. We
2: intersected, and then and like, got like crazy, got crazy games. drunk, played a little bit of one night ultimate werewolf, and then like <laughs> as soon as we left, I guess they all got naked. Oh, yeah, <laughs> classic improv, uh,
0: classic
2: improv.
0: As, I mean, as this happened too on a cabin in Big Bear, I mean, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Um, well, I'm super excited to have you here. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the show and your experience um, just going through it and afterwards. But I'd love to just contextualize, too, about, like, um, as as a male coming on um, – and for people who don't know, like the show is the first we talked about it actually before. The show is the first like bisexual show where everybody male and female on the show are interested potentially in each other. And, and you don't know who's going to end up. Yeah, with who. totally. Um, which is cool. So um, I'm curious, like I've been asking every guy that's come on and every person, but like about their sex education and their first journey with sex. OK, wait, wait, wait. So, before yeah, we
2: get into that, yeah. I want to make a slight correction. Please to make a correction. I'm so sorry. Because, like, the very specific verbiage that, like, the oh, production yes, company please. and MTV use is it's the first sexually fluid dating sexually show. Sexually fluid.
0: Thank you As for... opposed
2: to, like, bisexual. I actually like the term bisexual and prefer it. Right. But, like, they're using sexually fluid because it's, vi- it's, I think, a term that they invented but is, like, very all-encompassing of, like, oh, people could be attracted to people of whatever gender identity. Aha.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. So yeah. almost, like, pansexual. My apologies. That's good. Yeah, sexually yeah, yeah. fluid show thank you there we uh-huh. go okay cool um yeah so i'd love to hear like your uh, initial journey, like growing up um because i think something that's interesting too is like the term bisexual and the term pansexual which is relatively new even sexually fluid um yeah. are even more newer terms to be able to even adopt as a label for yourself
2: for sure for and sure. so i'm
0: curious about like, your sex education, too, and then also when you heard about that word.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess uh, my sex education... I grew up here in California, so I feel oh, like okay. I got It was a, a little more progressive. Yeah, progressive, like, cool sex education. <laughs> and, like, it started for me in, I want to say, like, sixth grade because their idea was like, all right, this is when these kids are going to start hitting puberty. We better sure. get them ready for the crazy shit that's about to go down. <laughs> yeah. The waterfall
0: um, of emotion. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, in, in sixth grade, we got told about, like, puberty and how our bodies would change. And then we got, like, uh, descriptions of how, like, sex works on a very technical level. Yeah. And we got told about, like, condoms and, mm-hmm. like, different forms of prophylactics. So I feel like I got a pretty solid sex education. Was
0: there anything, though, about, uh, like, I think there's something really striking that's missing within this country about like communication relationships to other Mm. people or like boundaries or anything like that. Consent is a big thing that's been missing, you know? Um, So I'm curious. I don't know if California is more progressive on that side. Nope. No.
2: I mean, at least (laughs) when I was going through school, however long ago, like we didn't, we didn't get conversations about like, and we didn't get conversations about consent, which I think would have been great to get. Yeah. But we also didn't get conversations about, like, when it's appropriate to start engaging in, like, sexual sure. activity, which I feel like would also be, like, maybe useful, but maybe inappropriate to get from the education system, you know?
0: Yeah. I guess there is, like, this fine line. There, There's, um, like, sexuality classes uh, in Europe that are progressive, that are, like, around, like... Um, like early education middle school and then like I think a couple in high school and they really talk about like what do relationships look like what yeah. does communication between people look like That's and cool. like I think a boundary conversation is like very um it, it would be helpful because I think like just in life like yeah boundaries are really hard to yeah. set especially for me um yeah so I was just curious so uh,
2: well I I would say that my sexual education is like continuing, you know, like there's always still more to learn. And like in college, I got sort of like another big installment of my sexual education, not just because like (laughs) I'm starting to do that stuff, but also because like I went to Oberlin College, which is a super liberal progressive school out in Ohio. And every week or every year they have this week called Safer Sex Week Mm -hmm. um, that ended with like the safe sex um, safer sex night at like the the college dance club, which was like a big party where like the only rules were like cover your genitals and your nipples. And apart from that, like have a good time. Um, I
0: like that. That's pretty loose.
2: (laughs) Right. But in order to go to Safer Sex Night, you had to attend a seminar during Safer Sex Week to like... Learn about some subject having to do with safe sex or oh, I like, I love
0: that. Okay. Yeah.
2: and it was rad. And I got to go to these cool seminars one year. I went with my ex to uh, a seminar called Threesomes, Foursomes, and more Sums, And we talked about, like, that's
0: yeah. super okay. That's super progressive. It was awesome. Yeah, loved, well, I don't know if I would have loved that. I don't know. If, like,
2: I don't think college Jerry would have loved I don't that, think college <laughs> Jerry <laughs> no. could have handled Jerry it. Would, I would have yeah. been like, <laughs> yeah, 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 freaking out. Yeah, it was fun. And I definitely like, I think my freshman year, I went to a seminar that was just about anal and I was like, nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I probably. What did
0: they tell you? Like, what were, do you remember like they, they were just content like, from that? They this?
2: were like, well, the anus is not a self-lubricating orifice. So if you're going to engage in anal, it's definitely important to like use a lot of lubrication. Okay. And like, they also talked about like, why, why do people do anal, you know? And so everyone was like, jumping in like, uh because oh, it's like kinky and they're like yeah sure like that can be a huge draw and then someone else is like because it feels good and they're like yeah absolutely there are all sorts of like nerve endings down there that can be really yeah. fun when stimulated and activated and like it was it was just cool to get that information in such a like
0: who is putting this on
2: so um that at oberlin there was an organization called the i want to say sexual information center and they had an office in, like, the student government building um, where there were always, like, very cheaply available condoms and, like, lube and stuff. And every year they would, like, have a, a sex toy sale for, like, a couple of days. Um, yeah, it was just the sexual information center every okay. every year. And you know what's a drag is that my, my senior year, I think they were announcing at least i don't know if they carried this out but it was the last year that they were going to do safer sex night
0: oh that's such a bummer i know
2: they were like we're still going to do safer sex week because we think it's really important to have the education aspect but they were saying like the night itself the dance party has like gotten off track from the mission uh, because like everybody went crazy. yeah everybody just went kind of crazy and like didn't respect the principles behind the oh, evening you I know see that. yeah
0: yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, I, I, it's still amazing. I, the on, the thing that comes up when you talk about this is that we every year would have this insanely massive um, anti-abortion people, Whoa, come,
2: uh-huh. which was like
0: I think like the big ba- like almost comparable to what you're talking about. They didn't have seminars, but it was like they would bring out like a 30 foot massive um, board with these horrific photos and then basically be like screaming at people and, you know, It was it was a nightmare. It was like a full week and I engaged multiple times because it was just like outrageous and it was so accusatory and it was like it was very harmful. It didn't feel like it it was kind or like open for dialogue at all. And then there was like a free speech, like whiteboard, I think that was brought out at one point so you could like write stuff. But um, yeah, I I like that was like my. What do you write? Oh, a myriad of things, you know. Like they were, they were arguing a lot about, uh, like they had. They- you know, a lot of the photos that they use is like stillborns. And so, uh, mm. you know, examples where it's like, you're not even That's, looking at oh, research yeah, and yeah. like actually providing concrete information. that support, Yeah. It's misinformation wow. that you're spreading and you're fear mongering and you're intimidating people and you're not using facts. Um, and you're also not taking into account like certain situations. Like if, you know, people, first of all, I think everybody should have the right to an abortion. I will just yeah. say that. But also like, um, you know, if if people are raped or incest or um, like, oh, yeah. you know, they're too young. So it, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of that. And my mom actually is a, a physician and she dealt with clinics when abortion was illegal of like all of the health consequences of women like using hangers and like yeah. other methods and stuff like that. So it was a lot of those conversations. But um, that was sort of like the most visible sex That we had, uh, as far as I know, on campus, and maybe somebody will disagree with me, but I think all of us kind of walked away with that image in our head. So I think that this is way more useful and helpful. Oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) To circle back around, going out on
1: a limb there with that one definitely helped me in my life. I know
0: that's a controversial (laughs) uh, opinion, but uh, that's amazing. So, so then, uh, up until that point, or even in college, like. I'm under the impression and this is and and if you disagree, please let me know. But so for women, we have our own challenges, but I feel like we have a lot more flexibility to experiment with our other gender. And while it's still scary um, and there are different consequences that come along with it, I feel like for men specifically, like. Rigid masculinity in this country is so oppressive yeah. and very like put putting in like a little box. And so I'm curious about your experience with that and whether like you felt that there was difficulty with experimenting with the same gender or even um, like throughout your sexual like sexuality experience.
2: I mean, I, I know that I definitely grew up in a bubble, like in the community that I lived in in California, where like, I always, I always had a sense intellectually, at least that I was safe, you know, Mm -hmm. to like explore things about myself. And the thing is, like, you can know something intellectually, but then like not know it down in your bones, you know? So, like, I was always, like, if I were gay, that would be fine. Uh Like, I know that that's okay. I know that my parents wouldn't, like, hate me. Like, I know that I would be safe to, like, explore my sexuality. But then at the same time, that doesn't change the way that we're socialized in the way that, like... I mean, I think that... I think that the biggest barrier to me exploring my sexuality and exploring my gender expression wasn't really, like... Fear of being gay as much as it was like fear of being feminine, you know, Ah. because like femininity is so put down in our society, you know, like Mm -hmm. I hate I hate the word bitch. I hate that. Like that is a term that is just like you are like doing something that is bad you are doing something that is lesser specifically in a feminine way like Mm -hmm. oh stop bitching like you are complaining effeminately and that is bad right you know that that stuff drives me crazy um and so like i feel like um probably my biggest fear of like exploring my sexuality was just like fear of fear of like being seen as feminine
0: sure Do you think that it has a piece in. Because we look at men in such a specific way, Yeah. like I feel like effeminate men now, I mean, more so, I think we're moving in a direction that is a little bit more permissive of like, you know, gender expression. But, you know, if you identify as very hetero or you're very hetero presenting um, and you're a cis man, you know, I think especially like years ago, there was just an expectation of how you were supposed to be. And if you weren't in that box, like did, did that like, was did that play a part in it?
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, we, we, I feel like there's a lot of conversation around the term toxic masculinity yeah. these days mm-hmm. and like toxic masculinity in my mind are it's just like a set of of expectations of and pressures on men to be a certain way. Totally. Like to be aggressive, mm-hmm. to be um super sexual, mm-hmm. to be um
0: Alpha and Alpha dominating.
2: strong, you know? All of these all of these things. To not I feel like,
0: like unemotional is also right, a big and component you, of it. I
2: feel like I feel like the thing is like men aren't actually expected to be unemotional. Mm. I think they are expected only to engage in strong emotions, you yes. know, like okay. uh, yes, men I are allowed to mm-hmm. be angry. Men are allowed to feel outrage. Men aren't allowed to feel scared. Yes. Men aren't allowed to feel like sad, sad or you small, know? right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, is like the emotions that I let myself feel, mm. you know, like if I experience a negative event, like, and I, go straight to like anger or frustration I've been trying really hard to like inspect that and be like Mm. am I angry or am I sad or like did this scare me and so am I like trying to protect myself by being angry yeah because like there are those strong emotions of like anger and then there are like vulnerable emotions and I think that that's one of the biggest things is that men aren't supposed to be vulnerable based on our like ideas of Masculinity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think Brené Brown talks about that a lot. I mean, she yes, about, she fucking does. She's oh a my goddess! Uh, yeah. But just this idea of vulnerability that I think connects all of us in such like a visceral way right. that we have, in general, in like the most general context, like not allowed men to right. really tap into that in this like permissive way within our society. Oh um, man! Yeah.
2: Yo, So, can I talk about something? Maybe I don't know. Maybe petty and maybe like overly personal. Yeah. So <laughs> I
0: feel like the, this is the overly personal okay. podcast. podcast. <laughs> for.
2: So I I got into Brene Brown through like uh, an improv coach that oh. I had. Um, and she was the coach of a team that I was on and she was always like, she was, she was sort of like a yogi of, of improv and was like very into like the emotional aspects of it and the way it can help you as a person, as opposed to like just very technical things that other improv coaches focus on. And it was really cool to have her as a coach and she would make everybody listen to Brene Brown and talk about like how like Brene Brown's principle of like vulnerability is like the greatest measure of strength because Mm -hmm. like if you're willing to be vulnerable then that means that like you're not afraid to put yourself out there and you can like take it you know um and
0: you've had an experience like you uh, like my acting teacher always says like the most vulnerable person in the room wins
2: right Mm -hmm. right yeah and like so that was so inspiring and I actually carried a lot of those ideas into being on are you the one and I mm. I I want I didn't want to be naive I know that like not a lot of people come out of that show actually in a relationship that they stay in for a long time like uh-huh. there have been a couple of couples that have like stayed together and so I was like I want to at least like work on who I am in relationships oh I, want to, like,
0: I love that yeah what like, a cool goal to go in with
2: right i was like i want to grow as a person you Mm -hmm. know like i and there were three things that i wanted to work on i wanted to be more vulnerable i wanted to get better at expressing my emotions Mm -hmm. and i wanted to like ask for what i needed in relationships and like a lot of that was inspired from this experience with this improv coach and then when i got home i found out that i had been kicked off of her improv team Because there was a policy at the theater where we performed that said, like, oh, yeah, you know, if you have a gig or something that takes you out of town for a month, like, we have to replace you. Um, Oh, man. Yeah. And it was a real bummer. And I also kind of felt like my coach, who had so inspired me to go on that journey, didn't have my back. Yeah. Yeah so that sorry that's bad. no yeah that's something that's were
0: you able to have that conversation just out of curiosity no.
2: no i i asked her like hey could we get coffee or something and never heard back from her No. Yeah. Be kidding me. i know and then i started like i started like writing her an email and stopped because like i was writing a draft and i was writing like an outline for it and i was like <laughs> this is gonna be too long sure yeah
0: I hope you get to have that conversation at some point. Yeah. I feel like that's the most disappointing sometimes in people is when they talk that they live by some principle that really inspires you. And then you see how difficult it is for them to actually implement it into their lives. Yeah. And that causes like a fissure and you don't actually get to... Yeah, like your your heroes almost fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm sorry. But I think that that's such a cool... Um, I'd like to come back to that at some point because what a cool way to go into that kind of show um, with that mindset. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, it was like relationship boot camp. It's like every day there's an opportunity to be pushing yourself to like yeah be who you want to be in a tough situation. Right.
0: With your boundaries being pushed right. and you're, yeah. you're being like poked and prodded yeah. and sort of like, yeah, deciding I can be really reactionary or I can take a breath and I can really like live as authentically as I want to.
2: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, yeah, I would I, we're going to come back to that. But um, just in terms of labeling, because I think you have a different opinion than I do or just that's been expressed on this show, is that um, a lot of times when I've talked about labeling, like I I, I consider myself like hetero romantic, mm-hmm. um, gender presenting as female, but You know, I've been experimenting with women and now I've had like group sex and other um, experiences.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you so
0: much. It's been fucking awesome. But what's been interesting to me is that I've like what's come up a lot in terms of labeling is like because I've done certain things that other people might consider not completely straight or whatever, that does that change my label or how I view myself? And so a lot of my takeaway has been like, oh, other people like to label me or like to label other people so that they feel comfortable that they don't have to deal with the stuff that's yeah. coming up. Yeah. But I think you have a really interesting perspective um, about labeling and like how it's helped you. And I'd love to hear that.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like I, I am, I embrace my labels because mm-hmm. like they, they just feel so useful to me. Um and I, I guess we talked on the phone a little yeah. bit. I talked about this example of how like when I was growing up, I was like a nerd, you know? Like and yeah. I wasn't I wasn't into that label. Like I didn't want to be like a nerd <laughs> when I was growing up. I wanted to be a cool kid. Yeah. But like I played video games all the freaking time. Like I joke sometimes that I was raised by a television set and a Peruvian nanny. And like <laughs> I would I would just like play. N64 like all day every day and then like I didn't hang out with kids from my school outside of school very much um, because like it was awkward to socially interact like that Um, and and like I always felt a little uncomfortable about how I had lived my life, I was like, man, I really wish I had been more of the cool guy. Like, I really Mm -hmm. wish I had been more social and, like, had more friends all the time and, like, hung out outside of, like, the context of just, like, playing video games. And then when I was in college, I was hanging out with some friends and I was like, oh, hey, what are you, what are y'all doing this weekend? Gonna go to any fun parties or anything (laughs) like that? And they were like, no, we're probably just gonna hang out and play video games, you know? We're, like, indoor kids. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) indoor kids, what the hell? That's awesome. Like, it's pithy, it's punchy. And, like, (laughs) that absolutely describes my experience in a way where I feel so much more empowered by it. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't just a nerd who couldn't make friends. Like, I was sort of consciously making a decision. Like, this is how I want to be, you know? And so, like, that has also sort of been the same with my uh, sexual experience is, like, I always more or less thought of myself as straight until college. And then I started doing stuff that wasn't straight. And mm-hmm. like, even in high school I had had like crushes on guys. Um, but like, I thought of that as being sort of like, well, I'm straight and like, I'm mostly straight anyways. It's sort of a scale, but like sure. I'm on the straight end and I've got little blips mm-hmm. that are unstraight. Um, <laughs> and and like part of feeling more comfortable in my bisexuality yeah. was like growing to be comfortable with that term mm-hmm. you know and like in college i was like you know maybe i'm queer like i liked that mm-hmm. label because it was sort of all-encompassing and it it um it wasn't like overly specific and it also sort of said like hey yeah you can be attracted to whomever and whatever you know um but then it sort of felt like oh queer has gatekeepers you know like mm. people who's people who identify with queer culture and queer theory and all that. And, like, I've heard stories of people who would say, like, you know, you're not queer just because you've got an undercut. You're not queer unless you, like, contribute to queer causes and are an activist and stuff like that. And I was like, well, maybe if I started calling myself queer, there would be people who would be like, this guy's not queer. Yeah. Um, and so...
0: Which I feel like is probably true and probably untrue like my my cousin is queer and i i don't feel any kind of judgment or um you know standards that she has for other people who identify as queer but i definitely think that there's that fact it's sort of like that liberal faction that's like so far left or even so far right that's like if you're not you know like identifying with all of us like all the way on this side like and you're not active on the streets like picketing every second like you're not you're not you can't do it yeah that label
2: and then but yeah and then like also to sort of like go back to gaming and nerd culture like I also wouldn't call myself a gamer mm-hmm. you know and like maybe <laughs> yeah. I maybe I like pay too much respect to these gatekeepers but there are people who are like you're not a gamer just because you play like Farmville. <laughs> Um, you know? <laughs> and it's like you could you could just say that a gamer is someone who likes to play video right. games, but like I, Yeah, it's yeah. like those
0: people who like hold on to these labels so tightly. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: And so like labels can definitely be problematic like that. And I like what you were saying about how like other people will label you in mm-hmm. order to make sense of you. But like, yeah, other people will label you.
0: Yeah. Regardless. And so,
2: and so that's why it's like I want to label myself mm-hmm. and I want to be able to explain myself in a way that i'm comfortable with take
0: ownership right Mm -hmm. and i think
2: about i think about like the immigration debate yeah and like when i was growing up like the biggest term for like people coming over the border was illegal aliens oh
0: absolutely me too
2: yeah yeah and that's a really problematic term and it was a label that people were putting onto them and that's a label that makes the problem seem so clear-cut like oh they're illegal aliens we need to get rid of them like if calling them aliens makes it feel like they're not even human. like yeah. It's so deliberately right. other. They
0: don't them. even like belong on this planet. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, totally.
2: And, and now like on the progress, or, like in the media for the most part, people say like, undocumented migrants Mm -hmm. and that is such a better label yeah we gotta talk about branding baby yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean verbiage is really um crucial i think also yeah to be to make things like palatable to people like we're very specific with language and the way that we use it in order to manipulate and and propaganda i mean illegal alien was
2: right certainly
0: yeah. a propaganda thing yeah
2: right and so i i like now identifying as a bisexual and at first i was like "Ooh, that feels like it's reinforcing the binary mm-hmm. like i don't want to make it seem like i'm excluding intersex people uh-huh. or transgender people or non-binary people sure. um but then i found a definition of bisexual which is it's not attracted to both men and women it is attracted to both people of the same sex and people who are not of the same sex mm-hmm. which still has like a binary to it still got the bi but like that is all encompassing and that's that's what i appreciate and i just like the word bisexual more than i like pansexual
0: um i don't know
2: why (laughs) pansexual is new i'm not an early adapter or adopter (laughs) of things um maybe maybe in like a couple of years (laughs) i'll be like yeah i guess everybody's saying pansexual sure i'm pansexual now like i actually in college i had a friend who uh in high school gave me an album by animal collective Mm -hmm. and i listened to it for weeks and just couldn't get into it and i was like i'm sorry dude i've been really trying and he's like there's a lot going on you'll figure it out i'm like i don't think (laughs) so and then in college everybody loved animal collective and suddenly i was like oh yeah I get it <laughs> <laughs> this is rad that's
0: um, so funny I feel like I've done the opposite like really? everybody in college was really into country music because uh-huh. I'm from Tucson, Arizona uh-huh. and I went to U and so I was like two-step but I hated country and then I moved out to LA and like a year after being here I was like oh country's kind of cool <laughs> and I was like oh nobody likes country out here <laughs> like uh-huh. there's nobody who wants yeah, yeah, to like yeah. listen to country with me and blast it oh,
2: man that's <laughs>
0: yeah, funny yeah um, so What was your journey of uh, like deciding to be on this TV show then and being like because I I feel like most of us walk around, you know, we wear our sexuality sort of out and whatever. But like this is like a super visible way to be bisexual, to be like in the dating sphere. And so like what was that choice like?
2: Yeah, well. I don't know. When when I when I went on to the show, it wasn't necessarily about like it wasn't about like, "All right, I'm going to show everybody my sexuality." Sure. It was more just like, uh, I want to be on this show. Like, yeah. it's a it's a cool show. It's a cool challenge and also like it'll be it'll be cool to like have the opportunity to find love maybe, you know? Yeah. It's like they they're finding a match for me. So like, I haven't done so well with that in my real sure. life. But yeah, like and and that was that was my feeling going into the show but coming out of the show i was like wow i i don't want to pass anymore like i pass for like a sh- straight ah dude. okay pa- uh huh yeah um and i want to embrace the fact that i am not that and i want to show people that i'm not that so that they know and so that like Other people can see that, like, someone who seems like I do still can be something else, and more people who are maybe like me and perhaps share a similar Mm -hmm. uh, sexual identity can, like, embrace that more in themselves.
0: There, um, we just had a lovely man on named Robert whose episode, um, yeah, aired uh, in the last week of July, but, um, he was talking a lot about how bi visibility is so low, especially for yeah. men, and that when he went to um, the pride parade, that there were very few men waving the bi flag, yeah, um, and that 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 was t- difficult for him because he wanted to see other people and other men out there, so yeah. that there was a community that he felt that he was a part
2: of. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. I think that bi, like the bi community has a really tenuous place in mm-hmm. the lg the larger lgbtq community. Totally. And it's be, and like the thing is it's because we can pass. Right. Like that is a privilege. Yeah. And like if you are gay 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 gay, like you don't have any sort of choice mm-hmm. over like who you love or how you live your life right. and like you are forced to deal with the bias and the prejudice of other people when they see you with your partner
0: absolutely
2: if you if you're bi and you could be attracted to anybody like there's no reason why you couldn't just live a heterosexual life and never have to like face that sort of oppression totally and like i sort of feel like it makes bisexuals a bit of an outsider in both worlds mm-hmm. where it's like, well, they're not straight. They are they're gayer than straight people, but straighter than gay people. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's unfortunate, but it also gives us like this kind of cool position. You know, like I was I I took a lift to pride here in LA, and I was wearing a dress, and my lift driver was this like first generation American immigrant and he was like can I ask you about gay pride and I was like yeah absolutely you know ask me whatever you want and he asked me some questions that were definitely problematic and came from a place of ignorance though Mm -hmm. rather than a place of hatred you know he just didn't know much about the community and he was like I have gay friends and it's like okay there's a problem you're tokenizing (laughs) um but like but like because I am bi and because I pass like it means that I don't have to deal with this shit all the time. And like hopefully I can be a good ambassador for the LGBTQ community because like I haven't had my patience worn down in a way that people who are like who don't pass kind of do. You know,
0: totally. That that was the thing I was going to say is like hopefully. It can you guys can act as a bridge almost. Yeah.
2: Right. Um
0: uh, and I feel like that's a lot of what we're trying to do almost with this podcast is like destigmatize, get rid of the shame yeah, right. and alleviate at least some of it by talking about these things. Because I feel like a lot of ignorance comes from yeah, just not knowing and then demonizing the thing that we don't know. Because truthfully I think we all deep seated somewhere have right. We're attracted to all bodies, like women and men are fucking beautiful, like every, everybody, you yeah, know. And yeah. so, like when you're told, I experienced this, like I, I don't think if I was gay, I, I think that my family would have been very, very um, open to it, but. Yeah. I still had this idea that I was straight. And so, like, when I was attracted to women, I was like, oh, what? like, what is this? I yeah. don't know what this is. It makes me feel uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I feel uncomfortable with it. And so, I think that that's what most people feel because we've created such a binary. Right. Um, you're straight or you're gay. Yeah. Um, and that there was, like, all of this shame around being gay for so long that, right. like, you know everybody's sort of like Ugh, so scared and like yeah, yeah, ba- you yeah. know tiptoeing right. around and-
2: right i feel like i feel like my first label for myself that i felt comfortable with was like not a hundred percent straight uh-huh. you know <laughs> yeah because like and it's like it's like yeah there is this problematic uh gender binary but there's also sort of a problematic like sexuality binary yeah. where it's like hetero or homo yep. you know totally um and I think that's getting broken down. Yeah. you know, like we're we're getting there, um. But yeah, shoot, oh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, you're
0: good. I would love to go back to this idea of what you wanted to accomplish going into the show. For sure. Um, because I think that's such an interesting and cool perspective of like wanting to go in, being open and vulnerable. Um, and like like relationship boot camp. And I'm curious, like. do do you think you accomplished it? Like what, what was the takeaways now moving through other than wanting to wave the buy flag um, and, and not just pass, like what were the other sort of takeaways and, and accomplishments throughout the journey?
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's wild. And I, I still think about like, what have I taken away from it? Mm -hmm. Because like, I definitely feel like I grew while I was there and I felt like I was working on my stuff and like, Like I was saying before, there were always opportunities in that house to be working on yourself and like being the person that you want to be in the face of like tough situations. And now that I'm out in the real world, my life is a lot more boring than like the are you the (laughs) one house. And so it's like, yeah, I was able to be really vulnerable there. I was able to like tell people about my emotions. I was able to ask for what I needed. And now I am... In the normal world where so often the stakes are so much lower, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, I'm hanging out with friends or like, oh, plans fell through or something like that. And that's still a bummer, but it's not like the big stakes of like, we're trying to win a million dollars and we have to find love. Yeah.
0: but do you feel like and then I, I, with those practicing, like right. you can do that then in daily life or with romantic partners?
2: I'm trying, mm-hmm. and I'm just not sure how much like the growth has carried back sure. into the real world. And I don't know. I, I always question myself. I I and I I like that about myself because I feel like it's a way that I push myself to be a better person. And totally. so I'm always like, am I am I keeping the promise? You know. Yeah. But like. The reason why I went into the house with those goals um, is, is because I, I feel like those were sort of like three problem areas for me in relationships in the past mm. that like led to unsatisfying relationships or led to me like almost emotionally like sabotaging myself in relationships. But I mean, particularly my... Are you guys all caught up? Like, how far into the series are you? I've only seen the first one because it was free on MTV. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, spoiler. Um, Yeah. Go for it. Episode four. Um, I talk about the fact that I was engaged. um, Okay. And I thought I was going to get married, and we had all these plans for buying a house and like having kids and all that, and then we uh we tried an open relationship out for a little while because i um after we got engaged because i was out of town for a few months and i thought it would be easier and better for both of us and like we had we had recently moved to a new city didn't know a lot of people i thought it would keep my partner from getting like too lonely or anxious or stuff um didn't work out that well even in those terms um but then she fell in love with somebody else Uh and so afterwards I was like really looking at myself like what did I do wrong which is like Mm -hmm. not to say that like I do believe that I have a better life for me now that I'm not in that relationship like I've grown a lot um but like at the same time it's like if i do want to have a successful relationship in the future i want to learn the lessons that i can from why that relationship didn't work out sure. and i think that you know uh some of the big things that she complained about were that like i didn't talk to her about my emotions mm. and i think that that comes from like the male pressures that i experience yeah. of like not wanting to be vulnerable you know and so talking about my emotions and being more vulnerable were sort of like two things that came hand in hand but then also like I'm a very compromising person and like it's very easy for me to see like oh yeah in this conflict I'm kind of the one being the dick aren't I and like at the same time like if there's a conflict you know it's it's never going to be 100% on one person Yeah. yeah absolutely um but it's frequently easier for me to see my fault than it is for like my yeah. previous romantic partners to see their fault. Totally. Um, and then when it's like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Like, they're like, oh, thank God I'm right. And you're sorry. Jeez. Right. Now, and like, then, then the it's forward, like, yeah, the end of the <laughs> yeah, conversation. Right right, totally. right. right. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, there was that.
0: I have curiosity. What is like, what, what do you want now? Like, do you want sort of a monogamous uh, heteronormative idea of like marriage? Like, is that something that you're still looking for? Or has it shifted?
2: I think that I am. Like, that's interesting. I don't know how much like the idea of monogamy is heteronormative. Do you think it is?
0: No, I was more talking about um, I feel like marriage is sort of a heteronormative idea Uh, of uh, coupling. But um, I don't think monogamy necessarily. I
2: mean, I am definitely still open to the idea of open relationships and non-monogamy, even though that didn't turn out so well for me. And, like, also this is where, like, my etymological brain has to look yeah. at the label of monogamy and be like, that is specifically, like, a relationship with one woman. That's what monogamy means. Mm-hmm. Like, um andro is male, and androgynous comes from male and female, ogeny, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so monogamy is, like, a relationship with one woman. And so, like, there are homosexual men who will be like oh yeah we have a monogamous relationship which is like yeah you're following the model of monogamy by like being with one person but it's like a it's kind of a problematic word in my mind.
0: Yeah, I think it is too. I mean, it's really, we've talked about it quite a bit, but Esther Perel also does some beautiful work on like the history of monogamy and and what it actually means and like how our definition of it has changed so dramatically, especially Mm -hmm. now that we have so many different partners and like the pressure of this like ultimate partner to be the one that does everything for us. And that
2: I think is not, great yeah but at the same time like it is hard for me to let go of this idea that like I would hold a special place with my partner you know like a unique place with my partner you know like I don't want to be in a polyamorous relationship where it's like yeah we have other partners and like you are my partner and they are also my partner and like anybody can be whatever and mean whatever because i do i do want to have a relationship that is unique and special yeah um i
0: think that's how i feel too i yeah. feel pretty kind of confused on the subject yeah. but i do feel like if there if i find somebody where communication is so good right. that we can navigate right other people but keep that core which right. is difficult then that is sort of what i'm interested in where i feel like monogamy and it's interesting you bring up the, that's problematic with that term i'm gonna have to look into that because i think that's cool um but is like i think it's useful in terms of child rearing I guess is like where mm. I find it the most useful in this particular moment. Interesting. Like That's where it sort of makes complete sense to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I don't know if I agree with that, though, because yeah. it's like, yeah, that's what we see. Sure. You know, like that's always the family model that Americans tend to grow up with. But like then there's also the idea of like, oh, it takes a village, yeah. you know, and like. Totally. I mean, <laughs> it seems like it seems like there have been so many experiments throughout the course of American history to like Mm. try out different models that have been absolute horror stories that we've heard about from (laughs) like you know like communes of the 60s where everyone's like oh yeah we're gonna like just engage in peace and love and free love and all that but then of course like they are humans and it's not going to be the utopia that they hope it is and like I've heard plenty of stories where like situations like that fell apart. And like that sort of tradition goes back to like the early 19th century too uh-huh. with like the romantic um, era of literature and whatnot. Yeah. People did the same thing where like they would go out to a commune and they're like, we know how we know how people are supposed to be now. So yeah. we're going to be a utopia. And like I think that Herman Melville, like he was a romantic writer, but he was like a negativist rather than a positivist. I think it was him that like went to one of these communes and was like, this sucks. <laughs> Y'all are the worst. Yeah. Um, I
0: think the most functioning ones that I've heard of is um, kibbutzes in Israel, oh. which is like the most pure form of communism. Uh, it's I think it's like a hundred people. I don't know how many people there actually is. Uh-huh. When I was in Israel, we got to go to a kibbutz, at, uh-huh. but they all work on the land. They all have jobs. I don't know if they're all like sexually with each other, but there but is. But they should um,
2: They should be. Because should that be, would be rad. Because that would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. but
0: like there is a communal aspect where everybody is participating i don't think that there are any yeah. you know leaders or non-leaders or th- maybe there are leaders that manifest but they're yeah. they do not have a status thing yeah um and so i've always used that as like a, an example of like true actual communism yeah but it has to work on a small scale and everybody has to buy in
2: totally yeah. and that's that's funny because like that is kind of the one like i really like a lot of the ideas of communism but like one of the things that does scare me about it is the idea of that like it it takes away the value of family you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the you know um inheritance should be eliminated in a pure communist society because mm-hmm. it gives advantages to people just based on their birth um but like it sort of says like you are a part of like the state and everyone is your comrade and like these silly bonds of family like shouldn't matter to you as much as the fact that you are a part of this like yeah. nation or whatever. Yeah,
0: that is interesting.
2: Um, and it's like I I love my mom and dad. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's so I don't know. It's very interesting. I mean, before like historically, like in anthropology. It, anthropologically in different communities before we knew that like the sperm one sperm and one egg created Mm. a baby Mm -hmm. you know there were tribes where the more promiscuous a woman was the more she more partners that she had the more men who were doting on the baby and there was more support Mm. because they all felt that they contributed to the life of this child that's right and so i think that that's pretty cool and i'm like well maybe that's (laughs) how the (laughs) structure should work because That that feels pretty delightful to me. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um Well, you've been lovely. We we are like, yeah, we've we've had a full a full amount of time. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Me too. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Um, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. Please watch the show if you haven't. Um
2: it's pretty good yeah
0: what episode are you on right now uh
2: so uh we just had episode five and so um well we just had episode five on wednesday july 20 something. okay yeah um, so, and so uh, w- episode six is coming up
0: okay cool on wednesdays on When's MTV? the finale yeah
2: like how many episodes are there i don't know yeah and the thing is the thing is if i told if i did know and told you when the finale was that could kind of be a spoiler oh, okay. because like oh maybe we figured it out after six oh, interesting. weeks Who I didn't knows? Think about that. oh that's yeah, true cool. okay yeah all
0: right nice. well um tune in and um can people find you on social media
2: uh yeah i am at danny Prikaz. d-a-n-n-y-p-r-i-k-a-z on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Amazing. Well, you've been lovely. Thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks so Yay! much for having
2: me. This was last blast.
0: Woo-hoo. <coughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Da, 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 da. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Danny. Oh, I felt really full after that interview. Yeah. I mean, I feel very like like happily filled with every interview, but yeah, this is like this is like intellectually like nourishing. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, great. Which was nice. Yeah, it
1: was such a light to have him on
0: yeah um yeah I'm not sure where the show's gonna be where we're when we're airing this, but um it, like he said, it can end at any time if they get it all right, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're on our toes, but um, yeah, I wish him the best in the show, and i I hope he's
1: we'll have an update for you when uh when yeah. it wraps up, yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, yeah, we'll up. definitely
0: yeah. Um, talk about it then, but um, as always, please. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Finding My Yum Podcast.
1: Email us at findingmyyum at gmail
0: Subscribe, rate us, review. Um, tell your friends. Tell every friend you tell a friend and you tell a friend.
1: <laughs> Do it so much that you are telling each other. <gasps> yeah, you're it friends. loops back around. Yeah, yes. and then come on the show.
0: And then come on the show. Yeah, we're always looking for guests, um, so please email us, message us on Facebook, send a pigeon
1: i don't know maybe not the pigeon one. if
0: you send a pigeon you're on the show immediately i mean for i don't sure. care what you want to talk about like you send a pigeon so you're committed
1: so you get the full <laughs> hour to talk about yeah. anything you want
0: anything you want um yeah those are the rules yeah yeah <laughs> thanks. thanks everyone see you next week Bye.